the CIA. I am not a spy. I just read books. <laughs> we read everything that's published in the world. On this podcast, especially when we did our This Is Revolution episodes, we have spent plenty of time talking about the fallout from Watergate and the cynicism and suspicion that boiled over in the mid-1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. This feeling was a long time coming. As far back as the Kennedy assassination, there was mounting suspicion that our government was lying to us. As assassinations of prominent Americans such as Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X continued unabated, stories about the CIA's plots to assassinate world leaders, especially Fidel Castro using mafia figures, broke. And Americans became so disillusioned with Lyndon Johnson's Vietnam policy that it pushed a once popular president from office. I shall not seek, and I will not accept, the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Richard Nixon was like throwing a match into a gasoline-filled stadium. Nixon's paranoid personality and outlook which saw the CIA as a force needing to be reined in and controlled by Nixon loyalists, lit the stadium aflame with Watergate, and the smoke filled the whole city of Washington. Both the FBI and the CIA were implicated as the entire facade came crashing down. In 1974, as the cultural mood reached a fever pitch, one year after Nixon's resignation, James Grady, who had been both a political aide and was currently working for the investigative muckraker Jack Anderson, released his first novel, Six Days of the Condor. Jack Anderson had worked for Drew Pearson's Merry-Go-Round and was the journalist who had uncovered the CIA's mafia plot to overthrow Fidel Castro. A, a, a newsman operates in the open. Uh, everything he does is out where everybody can see it. And the great danger are those who operate behind closed doors, those who operate in secret. Now, the president never, ever expected that his secret conversations were going to be draped out for the world to see. Now we know. We know how they talk. James Grady's novel was about CIA corruption and centered around Ronald Malcolm, a CIA employee who returns to his station to find everyone in his section dead. He goes on the run and must evade rogue members of a rogue CIA element 
who are out to assassinate him. In the process, Malcolm takes a paralegal named Wendy Ross hostage. This novel was electric, dropping right before Cy Hirsch published the Family Jewels leak in the New York Times. This leak confirmed the CIA was in violation of its charter and was spying on American citizens. The Family Jewels report had been compiled by Nixon loyalist CIA director James Schlesinger in an attempt to bring the CIA to heel. The moment was too hot not to turn Six Days of the Condor into a movie immediately. And so, Sidney Pollack directed an adaptation, Three Days of the Condor, in 1975. 1975 was the year that all of this crescendoed, dubbed the Year of Intelligence. Three Days of the Condor starred Robert Redford and Faye Dunaway at the peak of their popularity. Like the title, which cuts the amount of days in half, Three Days of the Condor changes many of Grady's all-too-prescient details. The plot which gets Robert Redford's Joe Turner's section killed is about capturing oil fields in the Middle East. Instead of Grady's plot, which is about drug smuggling from Laos. Joe Turner, rather than being involved in a clandestine operations office, is an analyst in the CIA front, the American Literary Historical Society. In both the book and the movie, the Turner character is responsible for reading and logging spy novels and adventure stories into a computer. Yes. Hey, where'd you get that thing about the ice? Dash Hammond? Dick Tracy. Are you sure about this ideogram? This means that he has an outsider status, which does not tar him with the CIA's corruption. Joe Turner does not fit with the stuffy bookish professors, military men, or overly academic members of the CIA. He is a dork who rides a bike to work, reads voraciously, and has no experience with covert operations. Pollock's version also moves the action away from Washington, D.C. and the nation's political center and puts the action in a frenzied and busy New York City, complete with scenes in the World Trade Center. Pollock and Robert Redford, both known as famous liberals, took pains to explain that they were mostly just interested in making an espionage movie rather than the real-life implications of the CIA. And yet, the cynicism, corruption, and real-world analogies that underwrote Grady's novels are very much present. Pretty interestingly, as 1975 is the year when the North Vietnamese tanks rolled into Saigon and officially ended the Vietnam War, the next stage of global war against communism would be in the Middle East rather than Southeast Asia. That's it, isn't it? This whole damn thing was about oil. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Huh? Oil? Who said something about oil, bitch? You cooking? Robert Redford is in peak form in Three Days of the Condor. A few months back, during our election night extravaganza, we watched The Candidate and talked about Robert Redford finding out about Watergate while on a train making press appearances. And I saw this little article about the profile of two guys, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. I said, now that, I'd love to know what that was like. And I thought in my head at that time, I said, wow, what a nice little black and white film that would be with two unknown actors to play... <laughs> to play these guys and tell the story that nobody would know about because it eventually led to Nixon resigning and so forth. He tracked down Woodward and Bernstein in order to get their stories for what would end up being all the president's men in 1976. Faye Dunaway, likewise, at her peak, was about to star in Network in 1976 and had just starred with Jack Nicholson in Chinatown in 1974. 
I don't want your pain. I don't want your menopausal decay and death. I don't need you, Mark. You now get need out of me. You need me badly. One other actor I'd like to shout out is Max von Sydow. He plays a shadowy contract killer who may or may not be from Alsace Lorraine. It would happen this way. You may be walking. Maybe the first sunny day of the spring. And a car will slow beside you. And a door will open. And someone you know, maybe even trust, will get out of the car. And he will smile. A becoming smile. But he will leave open the door of the car. And offer to give you a lift. Sidney Pollack has been adamant about saying that this film should be taken as fiction and not as political propaganda. However, it should be noted that the Year of Intelligence culminated in the Church Committee being formed to investigate the CIA. And the dart itself, when it strikes the, the, the uh, target, um, does the uh, target know that he's, about, he's been hit and about to die? That depends, Mr. Chairman, on the particular dart used. There are different kinds of these flechettes uh, that were used in, in uh, various weapon systems, and a special one was developed which potentially would be able to uh, enter the target without perception. You definitely don't have to feel one way or the other about the CIA to enjoy a pretty complicated and intriguing mystery full of espionage, political corruption, and references to a giant, almost extinct bird. I don't... What is your designation? Uh, Condor. And a romance between two of Hollywood's most talented stars of the 1970s. We have games. That's all. We play games. What if? How many men? What would it take? Is there a cheaper way to destabilize a regime? That's what we're paid to do. Walk on. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, host of Britonic Reversal, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Right now, Conan is working on Catterwall 2023. Catterwall Music Festival is going to be in Minneapolis from May 26th to 29th. Tickets are on sale now at catterwall.org. Christina Oaks, when she's not dog-sitting, you can find her streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash cosmopolitics. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at, at cosmopolitics. Throw her some subs on Twitch. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Sam Cedar is the host of The Majority Report, Hugo the Health Inspector on Bob's Burgers, and the director and co-writer of Who's the Caboose? I, of course, am your covertly operating host, Forrest Miller, Movie Night Extravaganza Station Chief, and Tucker Carlson's dad's boss at Radio Marti. Let's launch this coup. Well done. That was great. <laughs> Sam, welcome to the show, man. Yeah. Thank you. That was a really great, uh, that was a great, uh, uh, I don't want to say clip, but that was a great little short 
that was really well done. Thanks. Yeah, I do these intros every uh every, they they like range. Sometimes it's like uh like six minutes and sometimes it's like eight minutes and i think that's sometimes it's like the apocalypse now director's cut yeah it's a little long no, that was, <laughs> They're all that was very great. Informative. i mean it, it took everything i was going to say about the film so. <laughs> yeah, that's all time we got folks <laughs> yeah you. exactly thank you for having me and good day <laughs> by the way we've uh we've made the who's the caboose joke a bunch of times with uh matthew film guy when he's been on it's <laughs> like you should come back on for that <laughs> for for who's the caboose yeah, yeah. well matthew also uh edited um another film that i did that really has not been released, but there, the, it, there are some parallels that I see in in uh, Three Days of the Condor, which I should really? say was made first. Um, <laughs> but the, I mean, I don't know if you want me to launch into this, but I, the, you're, the, I think you're already doing it. Go ahead, launch the, away. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I love the movie, but what's amazing about it is, I mean, I first saw it probably as a kid. When you you didn't really have control over what movies you were gonna see, you know, when I was like yep. twelve in the you know in the late seventies, I guess it was, you know, when I'm watching like UHF television, you get the movies that you get. You don't really have an option. And um, Three Days of the Condor was one of those films that was there, and it was probably at that time like five or six years old. Um, and I think that's probably where I, where I first saw it, but, uh, and I watched it in the nineties a couple of times. Uh, in fact, John Benjamin was, uh, had he not been tied up, would have, would have come on. Cause we used to quote, uh, Max von Sydow all the time. Oh, the, he rocks it, yeah. it will happen uh, this way was just, we would, uh, but that After 9-11. With the, like, with the little music behind it is so good. Where yes. Like, the little like, xylophone kind of like, yeah. yeah. No, fantastic. And But after 9-11, the movie, which it was a coincidence the first time it came out, right? Because right. it was in progress when the whole Family Jewels thing was revealed. And, um, and really, in many respects, like, you know, with Watergate. Um, and... Uh, and the oil, you know, in the, in the wake of the oil shocks. Um, but then yeah, after the 9-11. Decade of, the first in the whole decade of oil shocks, which is kind of yeah. an, an insane yeah. uh, thing when you, when you look at, like, yeah. his, his line where he's like, oh, talk about, like, the oil shortages at the end of it. And he's like, they're yeah, going to just want oil. us to get the oil from us. Like, absolutely prophetic by the end of the, uh, totally. <laughs> by the time Reagan. Yeah, it could have been, like, said last week, you know, instead of 47 years was, ago. It was it was right around then. Am I, was it seventy two or maybe it was in the fifties? We had hit peak oil. I think maybe it was in, in fifty for the United States, anyways. At least as we understood it, and um, and our ability to extract, you know, through the fifties, we were the top producer of oil in the, in the world, and um, we had hit peak oil in terms of which is just. How much can you pull out of the ground at a price that it, you can reasonably sell it for? And so that was that was in the air. But all of that was, you know, sort of somewhat prophetic. But then if you combine the oil stuff with uh, post 9-11, they use the towers 
And the amazing thing is like, I, right around the time this movie yeah. came out, I was a kid and had gone down to New York with my parents and had visited the towers just as they were, you know, had been completed more or less right around the time they were shooting this. Um, and they use the towers as almost like a, um, like a axis. Like even when they're in Brooklyn, there's a shot or two, like when they're driving into um, uh, Catherine Hale's house, yeah. you can see the towers in the background because they're in Brooklyn Heights, I think it is. And um, the CIA's at the towers. Like it's always comes back to the Twin Towers, which of course was attacked by bin Laden um, because it was sort of like, it, because of everything it represented and it represented the same thing in this in this film uh, and was intricately tied into the idea of controlling uh, Middle East oil. And it's even in like the framing shots at the beginning. Like it's 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 all everywhere. throughout the whole thing. It's yeah, all throughout absolutely. the whole thing. Yeah, it's um, also it was owned by uh, Rockefeller. Right. At this at this point, um, the, like the Rockefeller brothers were the ones that originally commissioned to have the Twin Towers built. And oh, uh, I don't know if I knew up, that. But yeah, Standard Oil. They, en they ended up. Um, they ended up being well, like Nelson Rockefeller. Like one of the towers was named Nelson, and the other one was, uh, yeah, I forget, I forget his brother's name, but um, like they, they I call the, them like, by the, their family name, which is well, they had the Rockefeller, they had the Rockefeller Commission, uh, which was the commission, like the first one that Ford had to investigate the CIA. Um, you know, when when like after Watergate or whatever, they're like, oh, we're gonna do like you know the most biased possible like Warren Commission style uh, investigation of the CIA to see what they're up to. And when that kind of failed with the public, they went to the church committee. Right. Right. I mean, so, but, but the, the whole thing became so much more, sort of became relevant again after 9-11, I feel like. And then, um, yeah, so much of it was prophetic. That was, you know, that was one of the problems we had with, with, with uh, that situation, that some of that was a little too uh, prophetic for the time. But that well, was, I mean, what was uh, what was Bin Laden, if not a rogue former CIA asset? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's I mean, almost I mean, it's not I mean, he, he literally was. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that it has all that resonance. And then it's also just like great. It's a great thriller. It's also just a good thriller. Yeah. <laughs> and the other part about. Um, at the end, the, 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 the control of the Times, of the New York Times, as a, you know, in all of the questions that we began to understood about the media, like, you know, this is a time where uh, you, you mentioned it, I think, in the, in the, um, in the, in the package, but, um, you know, all the president's men was like sort of reinvigorating the, um, the faith in the press and uh, as an institution, and then it gets undercut here in a way that is, you know, now I think like, yeah, definitely. We have a lot of examples of the Times holding stories um, because they've been yeah. told to. Um, and those are the ones we know about. Right. And that's the whole thing with the lead. Do you think they're going to print it, you know, at the end? Right. Exactly. Exactly. What a great ending. Yeah. Anyway, spoiler alert, everyone who thought they were watching the movie instead of watching people talk about the movie. Yeah, they, they 100% right. did not. For a 47 year old movie, right? I mean, like, it's probably okay. Yeah. They, like, I mean, they, if you they, haven't seen they did not, they did not yeah. print that. Anything, anything he gave them absolutely did not get printed. <laughs> Definitely not. 
Definitely not. I mean, that's why they they ended it there. I mean, you can tell them a story, but yeah, what are you going to do if they don't print it? It should have well, gone to like Ramperts or something like that, like a like a you know he he actually he probably gave the copies of everything to them. You know what I mean? Like because he's an amateur, you know he does not. Oh, you like mean as opposed to yeah? Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't so <laughs> easy to photocopy back. Gave then. them the uh, gave them the originals, and he's like, oh, they're they're gonna print this. They're definitely gonna. You couldn't go to the uh, bodega and do a copy at that time. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and so this is Parallax View was, I think, the year before that, the Pacula movie. And then uh, I think All President Spin, which I weirdly we haven't covered. We talked about The Candidate and we talked about Redford, like, hearing about That's <laughs> Watergate. <right. laughs> but we haven't That's... actually covered All the President's Men, which is hilarious. With uh, with that really, I think, horny uh, reporter or whatever that kept really wanting to talk about. I forget what she was trying to talk with him about, but, like. She, she was trying was to talk really... him to bed is what she was trying to do. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> she just kept going back to, like, the same, the same point and then. <laughs> yeah. But those Pacula, like the, the, those movies, like this is like like kind of like the golden era of this type of movie to a certain degree. Totally, and I, totally. Like, and I and I think like those three, especially all the Presence of Man, Parallax View, and Three Days of the Condor. People are used to like modern political thrillers, which are more like everyone's got cell phones and the internet and this and that. And you know there are things that are corollary conversation. I would include in that too. Another one we've yep. covered. Uh, like I, I just think about like how different like like oh, conversation, which I think is a genuine masterpiece, versus something like Enemy of the State, which is like, yeah, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good like Bush era political thriller, but it's yeah. it's not a masterpiece like the conversation, right? And it has nothing to do with the technology. It's more about the filmmaking. Yeah, um, yeah. and uh, Jake Uger's in it, which is a plus, but right? <laughs> is he really? I forgot about that. that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's he's like an extra in like a bunch of scenes. He's in the Hassan's uh, fake he's uncle. Like a technician. Apparently, <laughs> Sam, you are his wow. real uncle, by the way. Okay. So I I I learned something on on our own show. Amazing. I just learned two things. <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> but 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 I think the thing is like people don't understand that there was not any movie like this at the time. This was not like a oh it's this kind of movie where like this guy's like you know, trying to not get killed and unravel the mystery. And it's like, oh yeah, we're the, you know, the CIA is the, is the problem. Like this is like the first of that kind. So I think that people are used to seeing those kinds of stories now. Whereas like, I mean, I wasn't born when this came out, but like, I, I can only imagine like how like, like groundbreaking it must've been at the time to like see it in a theater too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not th that old that I was allowed to go see it in the theater. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying you are Sam, to be clear. There was yeah. a couple of movies, like, I don't remember when there was a couple of movies that was that uh, of that ilk that had at least maybe not so much the direct aim at the, the, the government, like parallax view is, is an example. It was yeah. another one, Capricorn one. And it may have come a, a little bit later. Capricorn One is not nearly as good of a film, but it's actually not a, a horrible film. It's a conspiracy theory. O.J. Simpson's actually in it. That's what's going on. And Elliot Gould, who also, like, in that era, if you see anything with Elliot Gould, you've got, like, a 75% chance it's going to be a good movie. Like, uh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I just, he, watched, uh, I just watched The Long Goodbye. Well, I was gonna bring think, the along the yeah, I think, that I, think era I just watched too. it a month ago, right? Uh, yeah. When yeah. We, uh, yeah, and that's a great film. That's a great yeah. We film. did uh, uh, when we did the other Altman movie. We did a uh, uh, Nashville. With, yes, um, and 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 that that is of that same like uh, same. 
that's a Thank whopping you. that's a that's a big whopping uh, super chat yeah Thanks, thank Tom. you thank yeah. you late stage tom the show is broke so yeah we're on bailing wire and deck tape over here so every dollar counts right? <laughs> um but uh they and but capricorn one it's about how they fake the moon landing oh oh and, right yeah i and, remember this now and the yeah. government is sort of like behind it i mean so it's not it's it's a couple of clicks you know down the conspiracy yeah. hole but it expresses the sort of like the the era of Americans starting to un not trust their government and 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 where that could lead and that was you know both in the wake of of uh, of you know of uh, of Watergate but also the, you know the killing of of, of Kennedy assassination both, both of Kennedy and MLK for that matter yeah. both of the Kennedys yeah and and so you start to see in that era more sort of like skepticism of institutions and particularly of, of, of government. And it was not mainstream. That's so key, too, because, like, I think so much conspiracy stuff has been mainstreamed and is just like, oh, yeah, yeah that's what the X-Files. That's what that, <laughs> like, that's what your Uncle Bob believes, you know, uh, like he's but not just, my just Uncle Bob. Just don't don't mention the letter mm -hmm. Q around him or you're going to be hearing it for an hour and a half, you know, like uh, and it used to be like Art Bell. Like I Sam, do you remember the Art Bell show? That was always a tour I, mainstay. Yes. And um, uh, oh, shoot. What was the guy who filled in for Art Bell? Uh, I used to. Um, Nori. Ed, yeah. George Nori. George. Yeah. Nori, yeah. And Ed, uh, yes. Ed. And that would. But I mean. I was listening to Nori as late as 03. Yeah, because it was uh, still like, oh, check this out. This is wild. Like, you never hear this. That's like, a different order of It's conspiracy. a different. I mean, fair. The, <laughs> the, the thing about this one and the thing about, like, even, um, you know, Capricorn One, although it's sort of, again, like, on one end of the margin. And then also, you know, think about, like, Chinatown, and, you know, as well, yeah. like, is, has, has an element of that. Is that another great fade on away? By the way, another great fade on. Yep. Yeah, she had so her her three directed movie run, by nobody, sadly. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> her uh, her three movie run was was Chinatown, and then this, and then Network, and yeah. like and back to back to back. Uh, the best amazing. drag performance ever in nineteen eighty one. Well, she like kind of disappeared off the scene after uh, after Network, and she was in that movie with uh, with Betty Davis or whatever, and that and didn't Betty go very Davis well. was like. Worst person I've ever worked with is Faye Dunaway. Meanwhile, Joan Crawford's like, I would love Faye Dunaway to portray me in a film. <laughs> yeah. She seems like a marvelous actress. Inside you are two wolves. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I got Joan Crawford eyes though, not Faye Davis. Eyes. But, uh, Cedar Unbutton would be um... a great name for a for a for a book. Sam. That's like just just your like you know casual thoughts. Cedar Unbuttoned. You know. Yeah. Um, very very casual. Network when he's giving the the um the speech right he goes into the whole thing about how the Saudis own everything, and I yeah. feel like this movie's at a perfect crossroads too because uh, the whole scene with like the Middle East and oil um we're kind of like right. that's the perfect groundbreaking concepts at the time because remember this is before like that had been mainstreamed as like, oh everybody knows that you know it's like well, yeah. everybody knows that well, now this is this is the perfect moment to pivot like they're pivoting away from uh, Southeast Asia right like the book yeah. was about Laos and it came out a year before that. And by this point, they're like, well, I think the Middle East and oil because of OPEC would be like the more they like people had never really thought that we could, you know, besides at war, we could kind of run out of uh, like that, like oil before or we could kind of get embargoed from oil before. Yeah. And uh, we're in a competition, Christina. 
Uh, <laughs> Fargo. <laughs> it's a competition where everybody wins. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah. But yes, and you know, it's all where I think the it was like uh, the next phase of the uh, of the Cold War at that time too. I mean, that's yeah. what's going on. And you know, just in uh, just a couple years later, well, a few years later, you know, Carter would uh, and and Brzezinski would kind of jump into the Soviet Afghanistan conflict to try to make the Middle East, um, you know, the Soviet version of Southeast Asia, and yep. successfully doing that, and then you know, empowering their friend Bin Laden and uh, kind of everything. The rest is history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's important to realize, too, with all of that, like, you know, the the, the movie's sort of showing, like, the, the, the cracks in the foundation of these American institutions and that, like, these were the first films that were really, uh, you know, uh, mainstreamed that were, oh, America's not always, like, the good guy. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, well, and, and like gra- time- granted like it, those have showed up in the past but there was so many of them and they were so pointed and like well can't argue with that well you know i mean I, i'm sure you've gone into this with with with, with in, in some of your uh, prior shows but that era you know was when the studio system was sort of like falling apart and yeah. they yeah. were given money to a very different group of people to go out and make movies and sort of laying off them. And there was that stage, you know, uh, uh, what's his face wrote about it. Uh, the, yeah. With all the Bogdanovich stuff. Yeah, exactly. And the, and with the American the, zoetrope is a kind of a, a perfect, yeah. uh, like whoever, yeah. whoever Coppola was handing money to. There, there right. was a big shift by like the mid to late sixties of where like film was going in you know, music, like, they use some movie musicals, for instance, like, when Hello, Dolly came out in 1969, the sexual revolution already hit, so there was, like, there was no need for, like, these clean-cut films, we need more nitty-gritty films, and that explains, like, this complete total, like, shift within the 70s, 80s, and, and onward. Well, yeah. God, Godfather... Raging Bulls, that's what the book Rage, was. Yeah, Raging, Raging Bulls, Bulls. Yeah, and, um, uh, whatever, something else. Easy Riders, and, and, yeah. and one other. Matthew Film Guy in the chat with the assist. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, well, and, and Cabaret was God, the Godfather's main competition, which is crazy yes. to think about when you think about tonality yeah. of, of like that year, where it's like The Godfather, I mean, like widely thought, you know, thought of as like one of the greatest films of all time. And, uh, you know, Cabaret, which is Cabaret, fine. I'm not saying anything about it. But, like, those are, like, you know, again, these – we only remember it a certain great way. to comment on Cabaret. <laughs> we'll go to our Cabaret correspondent to hear more about that. But, uh, yeah. But, but like, it was, this is a key – like, this is a linchpin in that type of filmmaking. And, and, like, having that type of filmmaking where you could make – because like, there's something like fail safe, like you know, you know, that existed in, in the past, where it's like, oh no, that's like, you know, a whor- different kind of horror story <laughs> than than a lot of, uh, um, you know, things that are actually more uh, horrific. But this is like a good movie, and it's, yeah. it's like getting across these political points. But it's like, oh, it's a thriller. No, this is like, first of all, you get to see two incredibly hot people be hot together, which people always love, and uh, it, it works. Uh, you know, into into that one scene that uh, right. you know. Matthew Film Guy wanted us to ask Sam about. Which one was that? <laughs> the uh, you know the 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 it's not oh, it's God. not a rape scene. It's a it's a hostage. It's a, a Stockholm syndrome scene when the <laughs> when the Stockholm syndrome per- <laughs> fully takes. Well, I don't, she, I mean, she is like 
like you, you feel like only Robert Redford could have gotten away yes. with that. I mean, a different actor, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Like, I don't know. A different actor, I just Woodward? don't know he cuts it. But, like, he was, She makes that joke in the kitchen, and, like, and like he looks down, and she apologizes yeah. for it. It's like, this dude kidnapped you. You don't need to, like, apologize. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this was before the guy. term Stockholm Syndrome was invented. Um, for those who <laughs> want to figure out what it's about, there was this, uh, there's this Swedish series called Clark about Clark Olofsson who played by Bill Skarsgård he inspired the like um Stockholm Syndrome thing in Sweden back in like the mid 70s I believe a really good miniseries highly recommend but speaking of like that scene I actually have it pulled up here called, it should be called Manhattan Syndrome because you know <laughs> You've heard of Anna syndrome. Well, this one's a lot sexier. So, Faith, Faith <laughs> and more troubling with consent. Go ahead, Christina. Sorry. So, in her biography, looking for Gatsby, Faith Dunaway says this film. Now, I'm sorry, but the idea of being kidnapped and ravaged by Robert Redford was anything but frightening. At one point, after Redford temporarily wrecked the set and director Pollock took over his role for Dunaway's reaction shots, the cameras were rolling. I was in position, and suddenly Cindy lunged at me, growling, "I'm gonna get you." I'm tied up at this point, unable to get away or move much at all. But Cindy kept moving towards me, his eyes glaring at me as he went on detailing all the horrible things he was going to do to me. And let me tell you, Cindy has an uh, inventive mind. He is also a great actor, but he scared the hell out of me. Cindy kept the camera rolling. He was relentless. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, she also said she couldn't stop like uh, smiling and like kind of like giggling that entire uh, when she's supposed yeah. to be afraid that he's going to rape her uh, because he's, she's like, it's Robert Redford. Like, right. and, and I mean, he's like the most handsome guy around. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can see it. At that's the time, if you pulled up a dictionary and went to handsome, it'd be Robert Redford. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, that's why I don't think there was really, you know, Paul Newman was also sort of a heartthrob at that time. But I think even Paul Newman, I'm not sure, could have even pulled that off. Yeah. Like, it, it was just it, because... Redford was also, you know, and, and it's interesting. I mean, they really set him up as a, a, you know, we knew that he was not, we knew that he was not aggressive, which also made it like um, easier to accept. But that, that's pretty, I mean, for, for that era, there were very different standards. I don't know that you could get away with that uh, at all today. And yeah, you definitely, even, you even, definitely if was, even if it was, you know, yeah. all those other factors associated with it, like, I think it would be much um, dicier type of situation. You, you'd have to do more with characterization because you get the indication that based on her photos and the way she lives her life that like she's kind of like a, a, a bit of a, you know, a lonesome individual and like has all these lonely photographs and stuff like that. And it's implied, but again, it's not enough to imply that these days. Like filmmaking, then it was like, oh yeah, you know, this broad, she's uh, you know, she leads a lonely life, and she's uh, she takes photos. Yeah, you know? See, I don't, I don't think the idea was that um, that she was lonely. I didn't get that. Uh, I got it that she was avoidant of people. She would, you, uh, yeah. Well, maybe I misspoke was, with that. Yeah, you're like, right. yeah. I think at one point they have an exchange where. The implication is that she's almost okay with it because she thinks he's not going to be around. She pretty much says as much. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And, she says, "I think you're going to be dead." Yeah. But that, like, that is like you know. Well, hey, is, if you're dead, uh, it's not cheating. So 
You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell it to the dude in Vermont. This is, yeah. this is a one-off, <laughs> you know, in a bar one night, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This is also, you know, that uh, the early mid seventies, you know, that was, was a much different sort of like time in those type of things. Well, and so, yes. And to be clear, he does like physically restrain her, ties her up and like puts her in the ba- in the bathroom, I think, right? If I remember right. But like, like the idea of it being like, there, there is a little bit more nuance to that. Like, you know, she, and she also serves as you know, a Greek chorus almost to a certain degree of like, well, are you sure that this is like, you know, the way you thought like, but not to the point of being like, you know, like the skeptic or, or, or whatever. Cause she gets on board. I mean, look, the woman puts a pastrami sandwich in her purse for, for the guy. She obviously likes him, you know? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, Robert Redford. So. Exactly. Put two pastrami sandwiches in there for Robert Redford. One that, that, um, uh, uh, Montgomery Cliff has put in his mouth. So right, exactly. it's, a it's, it's not a, just a big old bite out of it. Yeah. Pastrami sandwich. It's also Montgomery Cliff's saliva, which is a great sandwich. flex. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, it's never gonna smell the same in that purse ever again. No, never. <laughs> so, uh, Andy, what 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 you you've been relatively quiet on this so far? Any any? I have any been. Thoughts? I've been. I've been enjoying myself uh, well, sitting here fine. like as a spectator on screen. Yeah. Uh, so so I'm the audience stand-in right now. Do you have any any thoughts on this? How about for the poster art? I mean, poster is pretty interesting on this. Yeah, I, I actually, like... you know, quite enjoyed it. I mean, like, like I'm staring at this. Uh, I, I right before we went on, I was watching a, a couple artists look at uh, a collection of Steve Rude artwork, and they were discussing um, uh, the process that he was using something very similar. Uh, and, and I was uh, been trying to remember what it's called, but but uh, it, it's it's fascinating stuff because like um, these are like tones and stuff that you used to get and cut and and. Uh, it it, it 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 creates a really unique effect that uh uh you know we don't have anymore like like it's gone from uh uh you know from art supply stores and from you know artists toolkits so so uh it's kind of neat to see like like you know just looking at that background but but uh you know the various other posters too were, were kind of fascinating yeah there was uh, a one that we were looking at um Oh, can I just say the uh, the thumbnail for the show today? I thought was fantastic. I love that. That's uh, all, Andy. He does that every I episode. I, I can you believe to it? Compliment you on that, Andy. Thank you. you. Thank well, you. Yeah, I. I uh, uh, he said practice drawing Sam Cedar because you know he's done it for uh, for Ben a bunch of times. In her <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's so cool. This 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 is the one where I uh, sort of spilled the beans about that uh, Sam was coming to the episode, and I was and I was like, I don't care that's in a foreign language. I'm gonna throw it out there. And that's yeah, a nice one. I, I love how they darken into the glasses because he's just you know those yeah. are regular glasses, and they're like, oh no, they're sunglasses now. And he's in uh, there at night. He's like he's oh, like Corey man, Hart. Where are my sunglasses at? And this, <laughs> and this one is more of a uh, this is like more of a traditional one, but it's still uh, yeah. you know it's pretty pretty good. Be careful who you trust. Yeah, I, I like the wing as a as a motif in it. I, th- I think it's a good idea. I don't know if it's well executed, but but I definitely like the idea. Yeah, the wing is the background. Yeah, this is uh this is the worst one. Oh, oh, <laughs> that was my yeah, natural reaction. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean it was I'm like not mad at it. it doesn't like it doesn't tell you anything. No. It doesn't even say like who's in the movie. It's just like, I mean, it's like it's, it's like a, a stall base kind of kind of thing. Like like it's it's all that? graphic design, man. It's may it's... I ask who's calling, please? <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, I uh, I would go into that movie expecting a big bird, and when there was no like you know actual, co- I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, it's yellow. It's got a big bird on it. It's Sesame Street, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but the bird's got a gun, so you know you're in for a good time. 
So yeah, yes, yeah. Big Bird's tired of asking. It, it just looks yeah. like no, it looks it's like a fun. novel. It looks like a novel you'd find at a used bookstore or something. And you'd be like, oh, what's yeah, this? like like you know? maybe maybe. What is may I ask who's calling, please? I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe like a re, like a six days of the Condor, like re like a, you know they always redo the covers of the books to make them closer to like a movie yeah. adaptation. Yeah. That's maybe that. Well, and there is all that tech too. There's like uh, you know with uh, he's tap he he ties the phone lines together, yeah. which is adorable. If you think about that today, but like that, I mean that is a, I mean that's all technology that's based in reality like and you, that was how you tapped a phone like you literally went to the exchange box and you ran like a physical line out like it was like all exactly like that that's that's the other thing i love about watching that movie too is just the sentimentality like i said you know i was i, I was born in new york and my parents still had friends here we would come down from worcester and you know spend a weekend and New York was a pretty uh, amazing place to, to, to be in as like a six or seven or eight year old, you know, kind of like it was. Uh, and um, that like it's shot all around New York. There's just so much. There's no sets there. Right. It's all the streets and it's all and they really use the city um, like, you know, there are other movies like Marathon Man, I think. Marathon is, Man. It's got that oh, yeah. sort of same sort of like quality where if you really want to get a taste of what New York in the 70s was like, and then, you know, um, uh, then there's, you know, French Connection. I was, just, and, I was about um, to say French Connection because like, because because that maniac, that. That, that, that lovable maniac, when we covered this, I, that's when we learned, oh, he didn't get any permits. No, they yeah. just, they were just doing that. Pelham one, two, three. I mean, there's a bunch of these that, that you can, um, that like that, that New York is just so it feels quintessentially New York to me. And, and it's really cool because, uh, you know, the novel takes place in Washington DC, which is a much smaller and like more closed off, uh, community. He'd yeah. not really have that many places to go, or, you know, if he's kind of running from the government and he works for the government. So including it in like the New York, uh, I, is it like academic, like the literary New York Literary Association or something? Historical literary, yeah. so, like that really is the kind of place that they would have used for a CIA front for these people that are, you know, kind of uh, liberals cloistered off from the main action of, you know, the covert and clandestine operations of it. You know, they they would pay off a lot of, um, like a lot of academics. They'd pay off a lot of like, you know, kids yeah. just coming out of college that like are interested in doing, you know, like art or like. Uh, Get radio young. or like, mm -hmm. all kinds of like uh, cultural stuff. They're just pouring money into those projects to try to make like CIA propaganda. Half the time, the people didn't even know it was CIA propaganda. Yep. These, I guess, these uh, these cool kids are a little bit more in the know. But uh... <laughs> and, and I just love how it. I mean, I, it. I I had never read the book, and I think you know I only recently knew that it was originally set in DC, and that just seems so much less interesting because yeah. this it all plays out in front of so many people that it, 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 it what is what really makes it interesting it's also you know the city that never sleeps so they did it in three days they managed to you know <laughs> yeah exactly instead yeah. of the, well, you know, instead of the long, the long six days that you would have had in uh in washington dc that would have been economy of motion yeah if you would have done it in iowa it would have been 12 you know okay <laughs> but yeah, I, I like it adds to the frantic element. True, yeah, uh, of it being like, oh no, there's people around, and like you know, 
even just when you start off, like, I mean, for people that haven't seen it, he goes to lunch, comes, <laughs> comes, comes you know, and, and they sit, and they sit yeah. there, like, you know, just shooting the breeze at the lunch counter. You know, the guy, what is this, the New York Public Library? I can come here to learn, or whatever he says. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, it comes back and everyone's dead. And like, it's like, what? And, but it totally yeah, and tracks. it's almost played for comedy uh, that part of it because he like walks in and the guy's like been shot, and we've seen like we've seen everybody he's get like, shot. Ah, and come he's, on! Like, what are you doing on the floor? Yeah, and it's it, but it's uh, they love it. They love to put but, fake blood on themselves and go on the no. That's yeah, that that's blood real blood. Really <laughs> but it's set up before <laughs> because he bikes into work. And he leaves his bike outside, and he catches some kids like casing his bike, trying to steal it too. And like he goes out, and he gets locked out of the of the building, and has to be buzzed back in. And this, like you get this establishment of like, again, it's a certain kind of um, claustrophobia. Ironically, we talked about Bo's Afraid last week. That's <laughs> put to like cartoonish excess in the, the the first half of that, with like you know this sort of like you know it being like oh this is this enclosed space that's secure, but isn't it's only safe if like you are letting in like certain people, and like these guys come in and just you know blow everybody away, and that's like how it starts. And and again, I think it's it's that prompt has been used many times in storytelling, but it's done so effectively here because you get a little bit of a lived in the experience with it that doesn't move, jump cut fast. At all, right. like it's very methodical, and, and I think that's why it works. Frankly, it, it also yeah, and the uh, the sound of the printers going and yeah, the computers going, yeah, that, and yeah. and that weird like porno jazz kind of like funk. Yeah, I, I yeah, every time I the put music this on, I think in I'm this film is so like early to mid seventies. I'm like, well, oh my god, it, it's, you gross. only get a pass for that type of music in this kind of film if it's from the 1970s. Yes. That, that's the only I time that you get that. I love that music myself. That I think is, it I, works. But if you see Will it. Smith doing it, I'm going to be pissed off. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm yeah. Well, they, just, they don't make that kind of like uh, theme song that they commit to. I guess the closest thing you get is like uh, Secession doing like the same kind of uh, theme song with like just small variations on it throughout like, you know, seasons of that show. But that's not really oh. the same as being able to do like a, uh, you know, that, this kind of like groove throughout it. And I think that's also what adds to like kind of the comedic, uh, like when he walks in and sees everybody dead and it's like that that weird moment where it's almost played for comedy. I feel like the, the fact that like the movie starts out with the ticket, 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 like that, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of, I don't even know what you, the, yeah. The like dot the matrix smooth. printers. Yeah. Yeah. Like something yeah. been happy? Upbeat? <laughs> it's definitely, it's upbeat laid. for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It does indeed, Andy, sound like someone is about to get laid. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, the only the only other thing I could really think of with like a similar kind of it's like Shaft, I guess. Yes. Taxi Driver. Honestly. Oh yeah, no. There's a lot of movies I think that have that kind of uh, that kind of music from that era. A lot of movies. Um, uh, oh, Superfly. Yeah, but there's more. There's a lot more. Like I. Um, yeah. Gosh, uh, it, it was staple for a lot of seventies like movies. Yeah, out, well, like, I mean, jazzy. Uh, yeah, I feel like I, I I I can't remember, but like a Marathon Man may have had that kind of music. I, I think you're and, right. A and, little. Um, and there are that music is like it's all over the seventies and like. Yeah. Um, God, I remember the live action Spider Man show had that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> there he is, everybody. Andrew World. Uh, an ex-bandmate of mine 
started a band that he called Car Chase. And it was exactly what you think. It was it was like that type of music, but like the music that where it gets kind of sped up and they're like chasing something. In the car. And I was like, what a great concept for a band. They were really good too. <laughs> when That's when so I was in my movie making days, I had an album called Funk Cinematique that had all of that kind of music, nice, but Italian produced, Hell and 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 it was fantastic. Like it was. It, it, it basically was, it, was the as, scratch as good of Don Benjamin's albums. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you, man? Yes, how dare you even raise his name? <laughs> Who? Who? Yeah. Well, this uh, reminds me. Also, uh, everybody Maury, should try Maury the. Uh, Maury Cohen was still putting out like uh, kind of like cool. All the Sergio Leone soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like throwing stuff out there that you could. I like that he uses extra music hanging around now that you could like get just a Morricone soundtrack and be like, oh, you could just put like stuff I've never used for anything. Sure, go ahead. Like, yeah, just wrote a lot of yeah. it. You know? No, it's amazing. The what are we going to say, Sam, about. Uh, uh, oh, I was going to remind everybody to uh, get those whiskey highballs of uh, John Benjamin, oh. the Jazz Daredevil. That, that's a jazz. Oh, and I should also, Cedar Seeds. I forgot yeah. to say. I was going to say, the, <laughs> our new sponsors. Yeah. Well, <laughs> We have a special <laughs> discount code uh -huh, yeah. for movie night extravaganza. That's amazing. So oh. if you go to cedarsseeds.com, uh, use the coupon code MNE, you will get $15 off. All right. Nice. I, I need to, I need to check I it out. If I Jersey just, uh, still, I would. <laughs> I just got a, a huge dirt delivery the other day. Like I'm, I'm going to start gardening this summer. So I got like oh. this giant uh, dirt delivery. It's like it's like Compost I don't know, like or just like high. or dirt off Amazon, some type of garden. No, we got or... it from a, a farm. Like we're we're like building this little gardening uh, thing so I could garden this well, summer. This is shit, dude. Garden That's bed. Not dirt. <laughs> well, it's. I mean, what? no, it was it was a dirt delivery. I don't know. They said dirt delivery. There's some manure in it too. Dirt delivery. Yeah, you want it to be. Uh, <laughs> you want it to have like compost and. See, that's that's how they that's how they get me into the uh, the postman kind of scene. They like knock in the door. The guy's like, the guy's and like, he checks the Dirt. shoes. I love that. I love that so much that like he's like, uh, okay, uh, and then like he comes in. He's sort of skeptical. He looks over and he checks the shoes. And I think that's the coolest scene because it's sort yeah. of like those are not like a, a post a postal worker's shoes. Like, and that's that's I mean that rules. I, I love I love that bit of it. That's and he also I, I like that they, uh, they get into a a very. If you want to know what, the, and look, I like the John Wick movies. I like Nobody. I like these, like the, the the you know all the Hong Kong inspired stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I love how fight scenes in the seventies. A dude slips on the carpet. Yes. <laughs> like he's like, ah, oh, crap, and he like face plants. And that double fisted punch is my favorite thing. Yeah, know? like it, it's it's and it's like I like that because it's more like no, that's like what actual fighting looks like. It isn't like everybody like you know, and I, I love the super stylized Action stuff God. as well. But she like, also I uses will the, say, uh, she uses the camera. Furious has a good uh, like actual fight scene, like a real fight scene where they're just like lobbing punches at each other on top of each other, and nice. it looks terrible. Uh, but but like you know. Uh, <laughs> Which is a little more realistic than this, which is weird for Too Fast, Too Furious. I mean, yeah. it's the first time that that movie has ever been invoked. But that's in what's show. amazing about those that fight scene is that you, Thank you actually Sam, believe if you're it, you you're actually, a pro. Oh, I know. I know. I know how to. I know how to. It's rain usually it back just in. me. I know how to rein it back in. But Thank you. That scene, you actually believe 
that Robert Redford, who is not at all trained yeah. to fight at he all. He reads books. He yes. could, he, he wrote, he, re, he read books out. about fighting. He lucked <laughs> out and yeah. just happened to like beat that guy in a fight when he had none of the skills that would have otherwise allowed him. I mean, that was the interesting thing. Uh, like even when, um, you know, Valencia was like, how did you choose the girl? And, you know, when, when Redford's like, what do you mean? He's like, was it by age, by, you know, uh, location, whatever it was. And it's random. Like it was all just some measure of dumb luck that was informed by how savvy he had become by doing all the reading. I mean, they had inadvertently trained him to defeat them. Well, and, and he, uh, you know, he, he said, like, Joe Bear uh, says it when he's talking to them in the beginning. He's like, well, the fact that he's an amateur means that I can't really, you know, guess what he's going to do because I have a certain it's pattern that I would follow if it's, a, if it's a CIA, like, person that I was trying to assassinate. The fact that it isn't, I have no idea what, the, you know, what he's going to do. But I have this, uh, I have this clip of the, the guy that played the Because there's that, that thing he just, like, hit, and he says it almost as, well, he reads. Like, where it's yeah. like, and that's so telling, and especially I when you think, think – Think about the fact that there isn't like Wikipedia and like, you know, here's how you can like learn all about like, you know, falconry in like five minutes on YouTube or whatever. Like this, that was like, that was the ultimate, like, you know, this is a short way of saying that like this guy is a wild card because of this. Like he could know anything. Oh, don't get him around books. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, this is, this is the guy that played the postman and, uh, he was, he was interviewed at like one of the, you know, co like conventions or whatever. Um, there's very few interviews out there by people in the cast, so it's very funny that this guy that's in one scene gave like the most comprehensive <laughs> two-minute thing. Disguised as a mailman, and that's how I gain entrance into where he is. And Serpico, three days a pot of hot GI coffee, Joe. supposedly hot coffee, and he throws it at me. There was mineral oil in the coffee, so it was all over the ground. And I said to, uh, I said, Bob, whatever you do, don't come in low. I'm going to do a sweep. And he slipped and his head came forward. As I came around, my elbow hit him and broke his nose. And I didn't know we we're going to continue the fight scene. And I looked and there's blood coming out of it. And I started to say something to the director, Sidney Pollock. And Redford waved me off. No, no, no. So we continued the fight scene. And he wow. called me that night and said, Hank, wait till you see the fight scene. He said, it is so old. And by the way, you broke my nose. I went, Bob, you're kidding. He said, no. I said, that's it. I'll never work again as long as I live. But I wound up winning the New York film critics for the, the best fight scene in film. For my viewers at home, uh, just as tune in, my name is Rama Screen. I'm here with the legendary Mr. Hank Garrett. Uh, he was sharing with me the story of him with Robert Redford on the set of The Three Days of the Condor, one of my favorite movies of all time. He's also a star of such movies as Serpico, and uh, and also talk to me about uh, yeah, your yeah, with my favorite uh, franchise. Why is this guy getting to do his plugs? Come on. Uh, yeah. By the way, it was GI Joe the cartoon series. If you're wondering, not not the, uh, <laughs> the terrible. Yeah. Movie. Well, because it was like, which one of these things is not like the other, right? Three Days of the Condor, yeah. cool. Serpico, mm -hmm. cool. GI Joe, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. He played Dial Tone. <laughs> Matthew in the chat. By the way, 
there's a whole sub conversation about what are the best fight scenes that's going on. It's quite interesting. But Mike, but Matthew Film Guy bringing up Mikey and Nikki, which yeah, I agree. I, I love. I mean, I love that movie. That's one of the. That's actually one of. I think that was the first time we had Matthew on the show. Is when we covered. Um, uh, Not the first time we had him on. Word on it. Yeah. We had him um, on really, really early. I'm sorry. I'm one of the show when it counted, which means I was on it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, we never covered, covered Mikey and Nikki because I wasn't on it. All right. Shut up. Anyway, uh, Mikey, <laughs> Mikey and Nikki has a great fight scene that's, that's also inelegant. Like those inelegant 70s fight scenes. I love them. Everyone's slipping all over the place. You know, nobody's nobody looks like they're like trained for combat. Like it's well, like, the like, best the best part in, in this <laughs> during the fight scene, she takes a picture with her camera to blind the guy. Before, uh, before Robert yeah, yeah, no, that's him. that's such a cool because it's already set up because that's her photo studio. So like, yeah. that's where she she has everything set up to like uh, you know she's doing. It skills, makes me it makes know? me learn not to try to uh, you know assassinate somebody in a photo studio because I mean there's probably like tripods too like lights if you really wanted to you know get into it like it's it's there's too much equipment you want to find somewhere that you know he doesn't have all that equipment. I like also yeah. that the guy just kind of saying. <laughs> That's right. That well, was Mikey want, and Nikki. You don't that, want, that was a time, yeah. Sam, that you said that he was betraying you on Majority Report by Moonlighting. <laughs> yeah, with us. yeah. I was, oh, I was so hyped. I right. I was, I was I so hyped that that, uh, that our like the show reference got dropped on like Majority Report, and then Sam's like, "You're doing other podcasts." And I was yeah, like, that was <laughs> a little bit disturbing to find out Matthew was sort of two timing us on yeah. the show. But um, at two, Matthew. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into it, but. Uh, Matthew Film right? Guy is trademarked. The trademark. I mean, he's really <laughs> for him to go on other places and identify yeah. as Matthew Film Guy. You're gonna hear like, from your lawyers. Yeah. yeah. He's he's got your uh he's got your merch and uh you've got his his name as a trademark. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's why we, we bill him as film man. <laughs> film, film man. Exactly. <laughs> why is it film dude? I don't know why that's funnier, but that's so much funnier. I don't that's yeah. Film man, film man. It just sounds like a superhero. Michael, oh. Michael, film or like Michael, film man. Like it's the off brand Matthew film, man. film guy. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. Matt, so film man. Matt, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's me, Matt, film man, and I'm about to tell you about my favorite movies over here. <laughs> yeah, the the, the uh, California filmmans. <laughs> Letter hack offers to be a character witness. By the way, if that goes to court. Uh, so <laughs> for whom? But, uh, Good question. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to see how that develops. <laughs> Forthcoming. Uh, Poor guy. He's he he's in the aisle. Palms on vacation. He really wanted to watch this. He's is he just commenting and not watching? Looks like he's oh, watching to me. Weird. Oh, cool. He was like, I'm on vacation. I'm got to miss this. I'm like, come on. You have internet in your hotel. You got this. <laughs> I, I like. See, see, Sam. It was, Christina just bullies our viewers into watching. That's that's I how mean, we have an audience. Whatever it takes. <laughs> I, somebody someone uh made an account i think on youtube just to make this joke jackson hinkle saying as soon as my parents <laughs> and ground me i want a rematch <laughs> that's good i think uh i think flavor flav was talking trash on there earlier too that was a yeah ah, there was a there was a really funny uh, the actual like the, the actual flavor flav last night posted or i don't know if it was two nights ago posted a picture of himself with the clock and the crown and then uh, the King Charles, like uh, whatever, uh, not not inauguration, but his coronation uh, picture. And he said, he said, who wore it better? And he was winning like ninety six to oh, three. <laughs> I, I did see the meme that was King Charles in that outfit. It says it's illegal to dress like this in Tennessee. I thought that was pretty good. Getting back to the film, we have fun here, guys. We do have fun here. Uh, 
I like that this very efficiently does the like, well, who can you trust thing? Uh, because I think a lot of movies do that. I think it's it's it's, it's almost like a trope at this point, right? But like it's. It's Sam and Metallica, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's oh yeah, Jason Pace from uh, Kelvin City wrote that the, his theme song. That's what, who's a friend of mine. That's how I know Matthew. So, ah, okay. So, so, see, it's all it's all tied together, people. Anyway, um, we're gonna be doing uh, our big uh, Matthew film guy Mean Streets. Uh, show oh, we have the live up. show. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You're doing Mean Streets. Yeah, we're yeah. doing it as a live yeah. show at uh, at Sanger Hall in Queens. Um, we are all 23rd? gonna be. Yeah, thank you. I don't have the date in front of me. <laughs> May twenty third. Yeah. Yeah. May twenty third. Oh. Except for me, because I'm stuck down here. I, I'm only going to be in there because I'm touring. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. playing uh, New York the next the next day, Sam. So that's uh, live show. And and because we're coming back yeah. with you, you know. Exactly. <laughs> because he's done next. Gonna be riding with me. Yeah. Uh, but the. Uh, that oh this does the who can you trust thing super well very efficiently yes. like it in a way that i think a lot of movies uh, attempt to do and and they sort of like all right i get it i get how i'm supposed to feel here but like no it, it really is like it's unsettling it's yeah. like there's the, that Pollock moment when he comes job. out of the the office yeah and everybody's been shot and he sees the woman with the stroller uh and you it makes total sense he doesn't know who to trust and it's 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 and done so well too yeah. like, like like you don't oh, see yeah. the cab you don't you don't see the cab at all and he wanders into the street and that horn comes out of nowhere and it just pans over slightly and you yeah. see the cab and it's just like oh such great storytelling in camera there that that progression of like how he's he's like buying a pretzel or something and it's stressful and somehow yeah like yeah like <laughs> out of it and not sure who well i mean it's new york usually no... it's pretty stressful like a pretzel there and you Fair. see the level of his savviness sort of increase over the course yeah. of that and and just sort of like compose himself and start to realize like i'm now not knee-jerk not trusting people i'm having to remember not to trust people precisely no it's absolutely damn that's expensive what? yeah i didn't i was trying to find that it looks not like they took cold. that picture from uh from the candidate <laughs> yeah that's gonna look like yeah yeah a little bit yeah he's yeah. not wearing that outfit in the movie that same haircut no i don't that might be it's not the, this is false man why is this where that it's not even the false advertising well they're you know they're lying to people in japan i guess i guess it's a japanese poster mm. <laughs> Typical. Yeah. Well, okay. In Japan, they might have done something like that, taken like an old photo uh, and just threw it up there. By the way, this this <laughs> is the info for the live show that we just talked about. Uh, uh, Matthew's going to be uh, joining us as well. So anyone in the New York area, Sanger Hall in Queens, um, it's free. You know, the film's being shown for educational purposes, and then we talk about it, which is I think what everybody thinks this show is. And no, we just talk about it because well, <laughs> rights issues mostly. <laughs> Yeah, but, I wasn't. I had to. I asked. I was actually like, I, I asked Matt Leck and I said, "Are, are we going to watch the movie?" And yeah. he's like, "No, you can't do that." They, they, YouTube would freak out. Yeah, they. Yeah, it'd be great. And we talked about doing like, uh, well, Jason does it with uh, this is Revolution, where they like, what is it? They do it in Discord or something. What? Happens? Yeah, they do yeah. a Discord movie night, um, which I've. I mean, I've done before uh, when I was out, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. did uh we did Nomadland I think that way and we did um, uh Judas and the Black Messiah that way and I don't know it was it was cool but they they make you watch it in uh, in Discord which kind of like fucks up the quality if you don't find like a yeah. link that really works the right way. See, Sam, we just assume that our 
viewers will do the homework. <laughs> well, I mean, the great thing is it convinces it's not my job to movie, educate and then you. they can come back. Yeah. And uh, it's actually makes this show worth watching twice. Exactly. See, Sam gets it. Sam, Sam mm-hmm. does a better pitch for us than we do. I can see what you're doing. It's the pitch police. <laughs> we, uh, we talked about the new Ari Aster movie, Bo is Afraid, which like I guess a lot of people haven't gone and seen it in theaters. I mean, you know, I've never even heard of it. Oh well, right. it well just, do you it know just Hereditary, Midsummer, those movies? Do you familiar with those? Mm. I'm, I'm gonna assume that's a no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just pretending well, I froze. So, well, so we just we, uh, job, yeah. we all we all went to the movie theater like yeah obviously separately but like we all saw it and then we went and talked about it and like tried to kind of sell an audience on seeing it and then spoiled it because of it's course, bonkers. It, it's nice. a bonkers movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm excited for Barbie and Oppenheimer. I'm going to switch a reel. I'm going to dress in all black for the Barbie film. And then with Oppenheimer, I'm going to go full hot pink. I can't wait. <laughs> we, and, and so we do cover. It's not you're gonna be like changing in the bathroom because you're going to watch them back to back, right? Yeah. Double feature. Exactly. Didn't you make a, a didn't you make a Sam Cedar uh, Barbie? I did. Barbie I made, I made a, with, with, with the Fenny Gauntlet. It's like, this Ken is not afraid to debate libertarians. Wait, did you see this it? meme format, Sam? This is a big deal on the internet for like a week. I did. It, I, I don't. I don't know if I did. It was is like it? all the Barbie. Everyone was making their own Barbie posters because they came out. You can make your own version of yeah. it. I made one of you. I made one uh, of Conan. Yeah. I did one mm-hmm. where it's like this. Ken is not afraid to debate libertarians, and it's you with your affinity gauntlet, like, like oh, that's Thanos. Funny. <laughs> yeah, it, and it was it, like, yeah, that's totally him. It was a big deal in the meme world for like a day or two. <laughs> well, they 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 had a they had a generator thing. You could put your photo in there, uh, so of course everybody was bored and did that. But like, you could put a photo in there, and then it would create the poster for you. Yeah. Oh um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they don't do more of that. It's great fun. You could <laughs> you could just encourage people. You make it easy to encourage people to memify whatever your product is, and surprising people haven't caught on to like. That's a way to get people to promote your stuff. She's I mean, got to do it with Sam Oppenheimer. You got to do it with Sam Seeds. You put, you know, you put your that's true. There you, you see Andy. yourself as a, as a as a as a farmer. I should go bring over uh, one of my seedlings. Do you want me to grab a, a seedling? Yeah, yeah, go I'll ahead. Why right not? Here. We're, we're apparently just seed doing link, open format. Seedling, seedling. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, yeah. Here I'll. Uh, Andy, I'm going to put your um, there you go. Your art for the Ooh. show yes. <laughs> for Mean Streets. I'm the tiger for uh, Yeah, that's it. So, Sam, this is what Andy made for uh, our live show. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. So, I'm the tiger. Yeah, he's got another that's one. That's fantastic. <laughs> but uh, let's see that. Let's see that seedling. Oh, look All at that. Right, yeah. Oh, that's adorable. It's, it's so cute. Seedling. That's a uh, that's train wreck right there. Oh, right. you name them. Well, they're, they're, we, I think we sell. That's how you feel after four or five different <laughs> types of seeds. And um, this, uh, this, you know, could grow into a big plant that will provide more seeds. And that's right. the circle nice. of life. I will apparently I, have I to pick you, some I up in New York. Of it in, uh, I wish you had <laughs> thought of it in 2020 because I feel like the seed game was, uh, was booming. You know, people were like, you know, starting to plant a lot there's a lot of like those like uh people like, aren't doing that anymore oh no, 2020 some, some because of COVID. 
but like yeah like in the people were like getting into like hobbies that they didn't normally get into right like right. i you know bacon I had, like, bread that was a weird that was a weird one for a little while that did not sound good like well it was like, legal oh, in new york state this bread. Time, so. <laughs> let's get this bread you know it was not yeah illegal whenever my sister Whenever my sister comes down from New Jersey, uh, she always gets me Mike Tyson's Mike bites, which look like ears because of that <laughs> that guy that who his ears. What he, for real? He, he collab he wait, collabed wait. with the guy whose ear he bit off in that boxing in that that match one time, and then he's got ones where they look like they've been bitten one the corners. Vander Holyfield. I was like, ah, oh, okay, I get it. Now. And I thought we had weird stuff at the merch table. Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's wow, man. By, by the way, Sam, this is right. what the after party is like. This is it's just this. Like there's like it's just this for, until so this we is the pre stop. apparently pre after party. Apparently that's <laughs> what we're doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's a so that's but uh, three days really of the, talking about three days of the condor. Uh, what about uh, you know? Not going to talk about the mute him. We're that? not talking about that. Andy wants to talk about the TV show, and no one else wants to. I, I want to hear one. I want to hear just one thing about the TV show. I'm one sorry. thing about the show: the, the whole conceit of the show is uh, what if Mox Van Cedow was played by a hot Mossad agent that sleeps with Joe before uh, you know she goes in and tries to kill everybody. Oh, so so Condor's uh, Hunter is is a woman. Yes. So it's a redo. I thought it was a sequel. Yeah, it's. No, it's a redo. It's a redo. Oh. Um, it's set in modern times. Uh, it's uh, when was this cast, produced? It came out in like 2018. Um, really? Oh, geez, I was like no, on some no streaming idea. service uh, for like MGM. Uh, like, yeah. I'm like MGM and AT and T have a streaming <laughs> service. <laughs> oh, was that where Mr. Mercedes was? Because that was a good I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of perfect though. There's so many like wiretap things in this. Uh, yeah, you know, but, like, but it had to. You know, um, you know how you won't yeah. get wiretaps. AT and T's. Uh, <laughs> AT and T does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's got like William Hurt and uh, Brendan Fraser in the show, which which is amazing. Who is unemployed six months, three few months after winning his Oscar? Employed Brendan Fraser. Okay, sorry. And in well, a better movie, hopefully. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so Andy, did you get out of your system? Anything else on that? I, I think so. I mean, unless okay, anybody great. has any questions. That's any cool. No, I have no questions about no that, but I, um, all of them were answered. <laughs> <laughs> questions that we didn't even have. I, I would watch, I think a good uh, idea for a TV show on this is a sitcom where it's just the literary office or whatever. And like they don't, they don't get killed, but it's just like it's just them kind of hanging out at the. I office. mean, we're, it's like it's a like workplace. Well, Barney Miller dead. <laughs> they just break him. <laughs> yeah it's just they they're just you know like that whole thing where he like talks about the ice bullet and stuff and it's like there's having a yeah. day they're having a day and so workplace antics drama you know <laughs> light comedy you know he's like uh you know he goes out there he gets like some vegan food there's a less nesman type character you know he gets, has... some, he gets some vegan food <laughs> for the whole office or whatever and they're kind of pissed about it and they're like this vegan food oh my god i hate this what and he's like i want all you guys to be healthier i don't yeah, you know that line, since we're talking about The Office, which I really, you know, that for some reason, this line has always stuck with me just because Redford did such a great job in delivering it. And it told so much about his personality is when his girlfriend in The Office, that woman that he was working with, yeah. she says, um, you know, she tells him the the meaning of that um, uh 
Chinese uh, char- uh, character. The, the and calligraphy he's doing. She yeah. says, um, you know, with the, you know, uh, he says, are you sure? And she goes, look at my face. Am I sure? And he goes, it's a great face, but it's never been to China. Like the, when he delivered the, that it's never been to China, there was something so like, he both was like, I'm not attacking you, but I am not going to like, I'm going to separate, I both can be emotional and then separate the emotion when I've got to make this analysis. And that like, I think was so. um, It's key to understanding who he is. So key to understanding who he is and everything he does after that. Everything he does after that. Yeah. And he does it so affably as well. You know, exactly. Affable and charming. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's one of those roles where it's really hard to imagine anyone else pulling off the stuff that he was able to pull off in that, that film. Really. Think, yeah. And I think this is like the seventh film he's collabed with Pollock on, if I'm not mistaken. Like it's it's quite a bit. Yeah, at least a few. Did he do like Jeremiah Johnson or something? I think like he isn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeremiah Johnson is before before this. I think that's no. What I, I have a feeling Jer- it must have been after, right? Or no? No, no. Jeremiah Johnson was before this. And oh, was they, it? They did that's some right. more after it. So, so how dare you like doubt in the me? Middle of the whole, <laughs> the whole, you know, the of them collaborating together. I, I don't remember which which number. Which is mostly known for that meme that everyone thought was was Zach Galifianakis. Tim Pool. <laughs> it's like no, like the like the nodding meme where it's like so clearly Robert Redford. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's Zach Galifianakis." What? No, it isn't. What are you talking about? Oh, no, oh. it's Robert Redford. Like those dudes, not lookalikes. Anyway, no. <laughs> you don't think peace that, and love, uh, peace Zach Galifianakis looks just like Robert Redford? I do. Not. I mean, I'm watching The Hangover, thinking, "Man, what's Robert Redford doing in this movie?" All right, he's looking good for his age. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Actually, no, he isn't. He's like, he's like <laughs> he looks better for his age. It's how Galifianakis is now. Coming up next week, Zach Galifianakis. Thank you. So this film actually is quite has has bit of a a, a legacy. Um, not to mention Marvel or anything, but Marvel's superhero uh, film Captain America: The Winter Soldier was inspired by this film yeah. and other sources as well by the original comic book source material the directors the russo brothers admit this and say that robert Redford's casting in their film was intended as an homage I, and it so clearly is it's Wait, so clear yes. winter soldier was inspired by three days of the condor, condor and like well and also like parallax view too you know yeah i mean it was just the tone uh you know because they certainly didn't take a lot from the comic uh that's yeah. for sure i i God damn it, Matthew. <laughs> Philosophy just turns me off. I'm like, I'm a policy gal. Don't be don't be talking about this to me. I don't care. I don't care. Aspiring exactly. suitors be the proper answer. You don't uh you don't watch you don't watch Andy sand off or sound off on give them an argument. What's uh, a, a, a Kindler? What? What's a, what? or no. What no, no, no. This and J. Andrew World, Andy. This Andy. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh. He, he sounds off on give them an argument every week. He gives he gives yeah. his, his Andy take. <laughs> I, oh, not, I don't think I've seen the that. philosophy of like far Yeah, yeah. Ben yeah. usually kicks me off before you come on the show, so so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to talk to the guests. Well, he's afraid. Me. He's afraid that you're going to bring up the you know the uh, man live action TV something. show. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Stargate, what? Nobody was talking about Stargate. <laughs> Why did you bring that up? 
<laughs> Marathon Man's an interesting reference as well, Sam. You mentioned that. I actually, uh, that was one that I missed for years, but I saw it like last year, I think. So that's like uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Roy yeah. Scheider. Yeah, uh, 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 Lawrence Olivier. I mean, it, it definitely fits the vibe. Sir Lawrence Olivier. Oh, yes. Right. Pardon, pardon me. As the, yeah, that whole, but like the, that haunting, like uh, that, is it safe? The, 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 the I the had nose. dental work today and. Um, <laughs> Did you ask they, if it was safe? They, no. Was, <laughs> they didn't put the cap on properly and she was like saying like oh we've got to fill it up with it and the pain i immediately go to that scene with uh hoffman and uh yeah. and olivier like and he's trying to you know sort of like breathe but not so heavily that it it, it hurts his open uh yeah. on his teeth and um yeah that's a great one i mean i like like i say i like all those um uh, you know the french connection too like i like yep. all uh all those new york movies of that era are just awesome um and and frankenheimer there's also something like and frankenheimer um uh did uh french connection but he also did the uh, ronin and oh sure and, yeah and Cedow plays the same, I think, the same, like an homage to Jobert, uh, it, because he's he's in that movie, and he's up in like I think like in the Alps, and he's painting his little men still. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's moment. like, and I think like, and he is you know a former sort of like freelance guy, um, and you know like, and also I think. Redford in sneakers was like the next next generation of that same character on some level. Well, in the same way of, and I can't believe I'm bringing up Enemy of the State a second time, but Gene Hackman's in it. Conversation is is like sort of not, yeah, sort of. It, it's sort of like it doesn't explicitly forward. say, but it's like you know, if nothing else, it's like there's they're trying to like get that connection yeah, that shine definitely right? and definitely. do you think uh ronin was also a reference to this movie where where uh after uh de niro gets shot uh jean reno takes him uh uh to to, to um de niro's friend who is painting the little soldiers who then removes the bullet from him well i think that i think i think in their mind this is Gilbert like 30 years later um, like this is what he's doing. He's now somewhat retired, still painting his little army men because uh, it's all about precision, right? I mean, that was what that scene was in, you see him do it for 10 seconds before he gets the phone call. And you realize like that's all, I mean, this guy's getting paid whatever it is. And he's sitting in his hotel room painting figurines like for him, it's all about the precision and whatever yep. he can do. And just and I like that they're they're all and absolute afraid. control too. Just yeah, absolute control. They're they're Sorry, not afraid to uh, to show him kind of just being in that room and you know practicing in some way like practicing his craft, but at the same time like uh, it feels kind of I, I like I like the line where he's like, oh, it's very rest, restful actually uh, to do his job because he's kind of just waiting around to track the guy and then find him. And uh, I, I like that they're not afraid to show you that part of it. Like a lot of like yeah. they keep flipping, but like because Rob Redford's so frantic throughout this whole movie. Like he's you know he's grabbing people and he's putting them into the room. And uh, Joe Barry's just calm, 
It's like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll find him eventually. We'll cross paths. Like, mm-hmm. we'll probably go to the, you know, this house in Long Island. This is the one time you get uh, really away from New York City besides the the Washington D.C. scenes. And um, yeah, I like I like that. It's like it's almost like a respite when he finally meets him. Like, the interesting thing though is that Gilbert calls Atwood at that moment, mm-hmm. and it's really like it's a big it's it's like a big mistake. And even Atwood said like you shouldn't have called me. Um, and it, you, you, you see by the end, it takes Jobert like that much time to catch up with, um, uh, with Condor, right. In, in like, like mentally, like he, by the time he, Condor shows up at Atwood's house, he has predicted it, that he would be there. Right. He yeah. said this was predictable. Um, and you know, they didn't know you'd be here. I knew you'd be here, but he didn't. In a couple of scenes earlier, he blew it with the phone call, right? Uh, because he didn't realize, you know, where where Condor was in terms of like his progression of savviness. Or, I love or the do you think it's the I, I mean, fact like, that um, he kind of he he's making the calls. He hears the click. Um, I think when he you know with the phone because when you tap a phone, you hear the click. I was wondering if he kind of knew that this phone was being tapped or something um, throughout that and was. Uh, and trying you know, to lead. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, that's how I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but he was like very confident that he would show up there. I was wondering, like, I, I thought maybe he had planted that kind of, to you know, get that information, but I don't know. Interesting. That's a good, I, I hadn't even, that even occurred to me. It's too much of an amateur, and probably I'm probably thinking too much into it. I'm thinking like I mean, he was still like and, under uh, the employee of Atwood at that point. He had no reason to believe that he would that that would flip at one point, or maybe he did. I don't know. I think it's this. Uh, well, and that's a I, I don't have anything to add to that, but that's an interest. That's an interesting theory. Yeah, um, the Higgins office isn't it in the World Trade Center? Too? Yes. Is there any other movie that is like? Film the World, the World Trade, Trade Center? Center? Nope. Yeah. This is the only feature film to ever That's be crazy. filmed inside the World Trade Center. Oh, is that true? Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. That, wow. I mean, it, you know, it, it that because because uh, Fringe wasn't. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, was in the World Trade Center, and the uh, <laughs> Man on a Wire was. <laughs> Rockefeller, Rockefeller left. Technically on. speaking, you are correct, and that movie yeah. rocks, by the way. Although, Maybe Rockefeller I, let them let them into the World Trade Center to film the, the first movie. Well, there. you can see the shot from the outside where yeah. it was it was still a construction site almost. It looked like like it was like that area around there was completely underdeveloped uh, at that moment. You know uh, when they shot that, they shot it right like after it was it was built. Yeah, because there's that there's that scene uh, where he's. Um... They're landing uh, a helicopter out in front of it too. Yeah, I turn, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was, and I was thinking like, you know, Turner is watching Higgins being tailed by Kathy, too, from the balcony inside one of the buildings, and it's yeah. like that's actually, if I remember right, that's even like there's like some documentary about the World Trade Center collapse I saw, and I was like, is that that three days of the Condor shot? I think it, yeah. I think it is. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think I just think that that's wild. It's like this is the only movie that ever was like filmed in there, and to think about it, well again. And Technically and speaking, it was man, all wire, about yeah. you know that was so tied into this to what ultimately sort of was the fate of that building. I mean, it's fascinating. Just 
since I know everybody on the panel knows, Man on a Wire is the, this, this fella, this uh, French French guy, right? Who, yeah. Who walked a tightrope between the the World Trade Center. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty remarkable documentary. And, yep. like, charitably, people did not want him to do that. They were <laughs> That's probably the best way to put it. Another, I mean, uh, another movie that, uses the, that we just talked yeah. about recently that uses the World Trade Center. Uh, we, we just talked about Escape from New York pretty recently. Mm-hmm. And this That's other right. movie where, oh, yeah. you know, they, they built a fake a, a fake World Trade Center, obviously, out of a model. But <laughs> they did they the same thing it. for uh, Spider-Man whenever they uh, the, the deleted scene from the, the two, uh, 2002 version of Spider-Man. Um, that was in the they... preview. Right. But it was right yes. before the towers fell. And so they like. Yeah. Yeah. Like... No, there, there was like a teaser trailer where Spider-Man yeah, actually, like, I remember. the helicopter between the two towers. Yeah. Yeah, what's yeah, he gonna he's, jump he's off of, what's he gonna right. what's he gonna jump off of now? There's nothing there. It's uh Trump Tower? <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> tallest building in New York, Trump Tower. Oh my god. <laughs> Too soon. Uh <laughs> shall we um shall we do letterbox one liners? Yes. Uh yeah. So uh Sam Certainly. I, what's that? I, 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 I will I'll direct this to you. Uh, Letterboxd is a uh, it's a place for film. It's like a social media site for film lovers to I, sort of talk at with and to each other about films they love. You know, maybe the the films. I've heard this from Matt Film Man. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Matt Film Man now, uh, and it's uh, you know it's open source democracy. Everyone gets to have their say, not just Siskel's and Ebert's of the world. Everyone gets to opine about the, the things they love. They love the, the things that they were just horny on main for, which is uh, happening a lot for this film, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is uh, best expressed succinctly. Succinctly. You know, you keep it short. You work in your tight five in front of the brick wall, you know, the comedy store or whatever. And uh, what we do is uh, pull these letterbox reviews for the movies, put them on, and uh, we read them off and we react to them. And these are the letterbox one-liners for Three Days with Condor. They are absolutely not going to print it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my first. That was, that was my first thought in that scene too. I'm like, they're they're not going to print. They're they're not going to print it. <laughs> well, we know they didn't. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Verifiable proof. Hold on, a couple of them didn't load, so I'm just doing that really fast. <laughs> right. But that is oh that God. is that's that's such a great way to end this film, though. That is it is like <laughs> one of the all timers kind of like, well, like the end of the candidate. It's like, what is it? What do we do now? You know. Yeah. yeah the other thing that it just occurs to me with this shot too is that like, and this is another thing like Rever, you know, Redford pulls off. That coat is so iconic, and oh it's yeah, not, it's not even his in the movie. That's awesome. <laughs> right? I mean, that coat is so iconic. And uh, I had a coat like that. It's his, it's it's the boyfriends. Yeah. Who we never yeah. see. You never see. You hear him on the phone because uh, yeah. she's all mad that she's not going to Vermont. And this is <laughs> typical of her. Yeah, he says this is typical. And I wonder what the other situations where this is typical. <laughs> How is this yeah. typical? Exactly. What is that life like? What's everything? Well, it, it's that, like he, but, but um, he picked it up. Like um, Joe Turner picked it up because he's like, you don't want to be around people. Yeah. Absolutely. Faye Dunaway would do anything for that man, including shove a loose pastrami sandwich into her purse. Also funny how the mailman was just spamming kicks. Pollock rules. So stylish. 
Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't uh, realize the pastrami thing until I rewatched it today. It's like all. It's not all I could focus on when I saw it. I'm like, she just puts that whole sandwich in her purse. Like, what? That's wild. Like, and the weird thing is, I don't think you ever ate it. I think it's still in the purse. <laughs> it's still there. To this oh day. God! For all these decades. <laughs> she's, she's. I've just, never. 50 years? I guarantee you tomorrow, Matthew Film Guy will be selling that on his eBay. <laughs> <laughs> moldy, I, I thought moldy, it was going to be uh, at the uh, museum. Purse. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> Thank you. Every actor in 70s movies was interesting, even the hot ones. Where do we go wrong? I know, right? Yeah, that's true about uh, Robert Redford, definitely. Like, he's more interesting mm. than our leading men today. Yeah. Oh, Paul, Paul Newman? Yeah. Yes. Um, Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty. The classics. I, w- I would argue, though, that uh, Colin Farrell might be the only one that kind of, uh, uh, you know, it meets that mold. Colin, Fer- Colin Farrell has had a great turn as like, oh, you've actually got acting skills. Yeah. Yes. But but I think he's like the only leading man I would consider also as a uh, as, as like a character actor and like, like you know. Trapped in a leading man's body, and, and I think yeah. that's the, th- the that's true with the, with these other people too. Yeah, we talked about it on the Banshees uh, Vinny Sheeran episode, but yeah, After Gang, he's also fantastic in After Gang, and both those came out last year, which is wild. So. No movie can possibly be bad when it has the line, "What if there's another CIA inside the CIA?" I feel like that definitely inspired Oliver Stone's <laughs> thought process for. Uh, oh sure, yeah. for like JFK and yeah. so. <laughs> Absolutely. Robert I mean, Redford. How many of those, all the Bourne movies were about that, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole cottage industry of them at this point, I think. But uh, Robert Redford never got his bike back. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was going to, when you, uh, Conan, when you had said that he had his bike at the beginning of the, of the movie, I was going to sort of um, dissent there a little bit. Yeah. It was actually like an early moped, and it was not a bike. And everybody knows what a moped is right yes. yeah 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 it was a moped which i think was also really important for his character because you did not see mopeds around that time ever and it wasn't a motorcycle it was a moped and people were mocking him in the opening scenes you can see that he's yelling back at a car making like a noise because the car somebody in the car had mocked his his moped yeah that's a mo- Pro moped. He's pro moped and he votes people. Uh, but it's also super geeky. Right. Like you get the sense that he built that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's what's well, it's probably was a project for him or something, right? So hard to argue with a movie that's all about Robert Redford reading his little books and running around New York City. All while wearing beautiful coats. That's synergy. See? Talking yes. about that coat. Synergy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we that's, go. That's that's how good we are at this, people. Three and a half though. Yeah. <laughs> Laura. Laura, tighten up. You're on a list. <laughs> Nerd who works for the CIA finds out what the CIA actually does. I don't like the attitude in that one either. <laughs> Jason, you're on blast. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, a world where everyone has bizarre sexual tension with Robert Redford. Can relate. <laughs> it's my impromptu Rod Sterling voice. Not not great. Not not terrible. Four stars. Okay, Dante. Yeah, Dante. Dante's got it. 
I hate it when someone pushes all the buttons in the elevator. Oh, same. Oh, that was actually really funny. That's a great scene. <laughs> so much tension. And then there's these guys. Happy birthday to you, Grandpa. <laughs> I love I love when he's like, uh, I love when he says like, oh, you're getting off on two or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why do you have that information? Yeah. Like. <laughs> no, you're not the guy that's, uh, that's stalking me or anything. <laughs> or, you know, following me. I think I, uh, I think I lost track of these here. Oh, we're on, uh, we're on, uh, we're on seven here. I got it. Okay, cool. That's, yeah, we did that one. This is what happens when you don't stay. In I the think we, found, we did we that, that one. one too. Ah, here we go. Yep. No, I think that's all. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we think we did them This all. is, this is why one person produces one person's talks. Whatever, whatever. Anyway, these are the letterbox one-liners for Three Days of the Condor. This is like the roughest that bit's ever been, Sam. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that was it's usually uh, flawless. I just have to run out of the room for one second. He just said, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Always has to do that. Excuse bits, bits break for pee breaks. Uh, please, 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 if you're on Letterboxd, follow Condor Union now. <laughs> Chief Flaubert, <laughs> always Flacco. Moving Extravaganza. He is the uh, is the face of the show, and uh, you can uh, you can follow him and find and out. And the one that just fucked up the bit. And the one that is the blame for <laughs> Totally screwing that bit up. Uh, I am check the shoes, Conan Neutron, all over Letterboxd, uh, watching the highbrow stuff, the midbrow stuff, everything in between, Populous Fair. Follow me for the Criterion Challenge and follow along with them and get back at that really soon. Jay Andrew, Endangered Birds of the World, is a CIA art specialist, and he is watching all the weirdest stuff, so you don't have to. Or maybe you can. Uh, who am I to judge? You know, it's, 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 it's your party. Uh, but he's doing it all there, and you can follow him and see what he's – what he's got going on. Uh, Faye Dunn Away, Christina Oaks down there. She hmm. everything everything I love is CIA. That's a great subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh she's a very occasional letterbox user, but uh, every once in a while she'll charm all all of us with her with her wit and her wisdom uh, on that particular platform. Sam Cedar barely knows what it is. He just knows it's something Matthew's on. Exactly. Yeah. That's where, well, that's where uh, Matthew Film Guy's been able to build his own brand, you know, apart exactly. from, apart from, uh, that Sam Peter. <laughs> you might have to be like, yo, Matthew, you can't be doing this letterbox thing now, too, okay? <laughs> there can be only one. We can do Highlander rules on this. Uh, Jay Andrew World, please take it away with the plugs, then we'll do some final thoughts. All right. Uh, you're watching us right now on YouTube. Please do all those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell. And of course, the big ask is watch the video to the end. You get a great Kona Neutron song, and that helps us get discovered by other movie fans. Please. Um, we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, of course, you can find us on YouTube because you're watching us on YouTube. Um, but you're watching on Twitch, actually. You can watch yeah, us on my, Twitch. My, my Twitch community Rumble. needs to chill the fuck out. Oh, yeah. We, 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 uh, we should get on Rumble. <laughs> We're all over True Social, Sam Cedar. <laughs> and, uh, not not Rumble, but I guess the, the other one that all those guys are on, like Rockfin or whatever. Rockfin. Uh, Is that still around? I, I don't know if it is, but I, I had a I had a meeting. Kenzo and I um, when because uh, Nomiki was doing her show on there and she got us a, um, an interview with the guy from uh, from Rockfin one time and I, not not the platform I, I would have. Uh, that's the one that paid in Bitcoin, right? Because it's like, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. A the, big, guy was, the guy was like, the guy was like, so, so we pay in a crypto wallet. Yeah. No, no. That's when you're like, check, please. Well, he was like, he was a, an ex uh, an ex wrestling promoter. 
that was trying to like get his uh trying to get political content on there and he was like you know we got like jimmy Dore on here we got uh the like he was listing off just the people that you would not want to yeah like i love politics yeah just list off your rogues gallery if you're spider-man oh yeah they're all here dr octopus has a show uh green goblin it's it's a good time shocker the guy who killed your uncle (laughs) <laughs> they all got shows on here. We pay them all in crypto coin. Crypto Alan Dulles has a has a Rockfin show now. You know, it's uh, it's it's a wild time. It's just it's a, it's an. Do you, do you guys see that there's actually on. there's a there's a CIA there's an official CIA podcast now. As of like, yeah. as of like a few months ago, they, they like tweeted from the CIA account or whatever, and they're like, we have a podcast now, starting with the uh, seventy five years of the CIA. Yeah, Jesus. Here's here's how we overthrew this South American. Country. I mean, how could you not? If you were the CIA, how could a step you not? by step guide. It's, I feel, I feel like they're I feel like they're just out of step uh, for the fact that they weren't involved in like podcasting and well maybe they were like 2012 or something. You know what I mean? Like they're on the mm. forefront of it with uh, podcast. You know that never not funny with Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> Familiar. Uh, yeah, they're, they're they're like. It's a CIA radio, radio, radio free podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, bullseye. That was CIA. Do you think the CIA is a Patreon? You could just uh, you could join for like whatever. I don't know if the CIA does, but this show certainly does. Isn't that right, Andy? <laughs> yes, we do have a Patreon. Um, uh, the great thing about the Patreon is that uh, if you miss it and you really want one of our after parties, the after parties live on there forever. Are we gonna do it? Yeah. <clears throat> after, after party, party forever. forever. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's why we don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's no. really hard to do. <laughs> no, we, need, we need that like little harmonica tune yeah. thing. Like it sounds. I do so much in this show. I just I can't. I know. Yeah. Too many. That's, I, but I but but you know what else you do? You do a great show called Protonic Reversal. I do. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it is. And, and you just had a huge show with a. Uh, uh, the guy from Slayer, Dave Lombardo of Slayer. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that he was a he was a great great guest. Uh, all kinds of uh, different publications are picking up stuff from the show, and that has happened many times before. But they're actually linking back and mentioning the show, which I thought was very nice. It took yeah. nine years. Finally, that's starting to happen. They're finally crediting me. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and I got uh, Brett Bradford. Scratch Acid was on to uh, Gareth from USA Nails from England. Yes. Who will be on uh, uh, the show with you in New York uh, on the twenty uh, fourth? Yes, they're playing the, exactly not the not the um, not the moving extravaganza live show. The show the next day. I guess I could have had that available, huh? Oh well. Uh, at uh, Saint Vitus with a yeah deer horse, USA nails, uh, Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends, and Arc Gray Noise Quintet, and that's at uh, Saint Vitus in Brooklyn. That's a twenty fourth. Then, then, then we're all going out to uh, uh, Minneapolis to do uh, Catterwall. That's right. That is right. Let me see if I can do the thing. Let's see how fancy I can be here. Ah. Boom. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. It's uh, like 54 bands in a Minneapolis four-day, four-day festival. Are you exhausted just looking at this, Sam? That looks like a lot of bands. It's a lot. It is a lot of bands. Yes, it's a good time. How, that was that. Like, how much that was? Like Eight thousand nice. dollars for a no? Hundred forty dollars for a four day pass. That's, wow, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, Coachella exactly. could never. Coachella could never. So that's hear, hear that, Sam's listeners. If you're in the remotely in the Midwest or feel like traveling to see a bunch of noisy bands, 
Go to Catterwall. Catterwall.org. That's quite a deal. You could you you could enjoy like five percent of those bands and still get your money's worth. It's we really it should be more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> We're terrible capitalists, is what it comes down to. But yeah, it's it's, it's how much does each band get paid? Like a quarter? Yeah. <laughs> we pay in crypto. It's uh it's Spotify <laughs> rules. Yeah, exactly. You're getting paid an exposure. Anyway. Who's exposure? No. <laughs> You're supposed to be you don't get to make jokes. You're supposed to be doing the plugs. We do the You're right. You're right, I am. <laughs> How many episodes of this have we done? Jesus. Yeah, you think I'd be better at this. Um you would but, think. Uh, Christina. You're over on uh Twitch doing your thing. Um yep. anything anything uh, coming up this week? Uh, I missed well, the news today, so you know you could surprise yeah, me. Yeah, I'm gonna stream. I'm gonna. We have a very easy work week, my mom and I. So I'm gonna be streaming all the way till Saturday. My next dog sitting job. I do a lot, Sam. I do. A, I keep busy, uh, but like I'm gonna be streaming uh, tonight, tomorrow, Friday, and then I'll be back next Saturday. So I'm gonna have to miss an episode of the podcast because that dog does not shut up. Uh, so yeah, keep him busy. This is like this is that's like my internal dialogue every time we get to the plugs VFC. Yes, <laughs> yes, and uh, you got a coffee so uh, kofi uh, dot com slash cosmopolitan kofianon.net. Yes, yes, I go there and uh, you know buy buy Christina a coffee. You know you want to. Yeah. So Christina's got a great show on, and on Twitch is what Andy's trying to say. And if you're on yes. Twitch, you yes. Should. If you ever need someone for a casual Friday, I'm usually off on most Fridays. I'm just saying. No, keep it in mind. Yes, I have a very chill atmosphere with my with my Twitch and my community. Though tonight they're going crazy. Yes, they are. Whole community is out there. And, and Sam, yeah. you you have a little podcast too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I heard it's about true. it. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, you heard about this? Huh. Yes, uh, uh, it's uh, it's called the Majority Report. Pretty yeah. Uh, yeah. And you can see it every day noon live on uh, on youtube.com slash Sam Cedar, or you can listen live. Yes, I'm Get a member, the- so I listen during work. Oh, there you go. Oh, and on the app. Yep. But Sam, oh, do you have uh, you have do you have final thoughts on this movie? Anything I mean, you, you need to. I like. I, I this is a movie. It's 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 weird for me because all my contemporaries saw this movie, but like I, I have friends who are you know in their forties and uh, and people in the office you know, who are all significantly younger than me and they've never seen these. And there's a, this era of movies is like, I feel like you could, you could dip into a movie in the eighties or the nineties. And it's, it's not terribly different from each other, but this particular like five or six years in the, uh, you know, maybe the last year of the sixties and the, you know, into the seventies, very unique time in, in filmmaking. And and this is on the more sort of accessible commercial edge of that, I think. And it's still great. No? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, you guys don't agree. Everybody I I agree. <laughs> uh, I got it. Wait. <laughs> can we take Can we take that again? <laughs> <laughs> is, these, these mics aren't on, are they? Yeah. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Uh, <laughs> Christina, final thoughts. Um, I saw this film originally like when I was a lot younger because I was kind of going through like a Robert, like a like I grew up on old Hollywood films, like Silent Era, Old Hollywood, The Fall of the Studio era. So like I was, I became a fan of like all the greats from like that era. So this is actually probably one of my favorite Robert Redford films by far. Um, yeah, I just think the chemistry between uh, Robert Redford yeah. and Faye Dunaway is just great. I think Max von Sydow makes a great like villainous character. Uh, the shots are phenomenal, like the editing, the music in the background. Okay, it's fine. You know, it's very dated, very 70s-esque. Um, it kind of led me wanting more, though, I felt like in the end. I was like, I kind of want more. But yeah, there's the not end, a lot of running around the city. Like, that's what I yeah. feel like. <laughs> but in the end, I think this is a film that's worth watching for sure, especially if you're like a huge like fan of like this, that like, like political thrillers and like that era of like 1970s like film. I thought you were going to say a big fan of the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of their podcast, actually. Have you heard it? Yes. Subscribe. Yeah. It's quite good. But, uh, but Conan, got any final thoughts? Yeah, look, this is a uh, taut and stressful political thriller, and it's from the golden era of them. I think we, I mentioned earlier that we've been spoiled by like modern flash and technology and jump cuts. So to look back in this and really see the genius of it, you know, it, it's 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 something to behold. Uh, it's um, it's a, there's a Hitchcock level of suspense, and I don't say that lightly. And it's a perfect epitome of like a slow boil of intrigue until it all explodes. And as mentioned before, there's a conversation at the end about resources that could have been written or said yesterday, but it's from 47 years ago, <laughs> which is wild. And well, and the I love those shortages. You know, like the beginning of the. Yep. Beginning of the supply chain issues. It's, it's My mom was like, I remember back in the late 70s where there was a rationing. It was like an even an odd day to get gas. And I'm like, yep. I'm like, wow. And it has one of my one of the best like shorthand summation of um, somebody's character I've ever seen in any film, which is he reads. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's just, right. that's great. Kids don't do that enough nowadays. <laughs> hey, busy reading. But, uh, hey, I'm reading here. Thank you. But uh, Andy, final thoughts? Midnight Cowboys, actually, also. This, this movie is a fantastic fi uh, feat of storytelling visually. Like, it, it uh, uses the medium in a way that uh, you don't often see in film, you find in comics. Like, like you know, like I, like I mentioned before, the example of the... Uh, uh, where he like stumbles into the street and you don't see the car and you hear the car and honk and, he, and and the camera pans over and there's a suddenly a car there um, like like that is a masterful storytelling with the camera and there's a lot of scenes like that that kind of you know lead you through beautifully with just um, you know uh, being able to use the the camera as a tool in a way that you don't normally see in other films so uh, that kind of elevates it above you know some of the, uh, the, the you know the other films that that uh, we've mentioned because I don't think they do that like this. Um, and, and that's a quite incredible feat to pull off. All right. And I'll just say, fuck the wall street journal.